0: My name is Dr. Carol Palmer. I am the director of the Council for British Research in the Levant (CBRL), and welcome to this um, webinar on Ramla, Palestine's forgotten pa- forgotten capital. Um, we run um, a series of webinars in CBRL, and I can see some some some. Uh, some familiar faces, some familiar names joining us and also some some new people. So welcome everybody to this uh, CBRL webinar. I'm just going to take a moment to introduce CBRL. Most of you, I think, will be very familiar with us. Uh, We are um, a a learned society. We are one of the British um, International Research Institutes affiliated with the British Academy in London. We uh, have a long history in the Levant region, starting with the British School of Archaeology in Jerusalem. We currently run as a UK independent charity and membership organization. We have two institutes in the region, one in Amman, Jordan, where I'm speaking Uh, today, from where I'm speaking today, and our other institute is the Kenyan Institute in Jerusalem, formerly known as the British School of Archaeology. Um, We also have an office in London at the British Academy, and we're very pleased to be able to present today uh, this uh, lecture and uh, discussion session given by Professor Andrew Peterson, from um, the University of Wales Trinity St. David and um, Andrew's association with the the British School of Archaeology in Jerusalem the BSAJ and CBRL is a very long and distinguished one and he will tell you a little bit more about how the survey uh, started that he's reporting on today as well as the recently published um, book we are very pleased to have joining with us two discussants, uh, Dr. Richard Clary, um, from uh, who's currently uh, a senior lecturer in Islamic art and architecture at the University of York, um, and then we will also be, we also have with us today. I'm very pleased to say, Dr. Maha Abu Manshar, who's actually based in Qatar. So we cover today the UK, Jordan and Qatar. I think I should say just a little bit more about our speakers to give give them introductions before we start. So Professor Andrew Peterson, as I mentioned, is uh, Director of Research in Islamic Archaeology at the University of Wales Trinity St. David. He um, studied Medieval History and Archaeology at St. Andrews, did his PhD at Cardiff University um, concentrated on the development of urban centers in medieval and Ottoman Palestine. But since that time he's worked um, all across the Middle East, including in Jordan, Iraq, Palestine, Turkmenistan, the United Arab Emirates, Oman, Syria, Qatar, Kenya and Tanzania. So his speciality is really standing buildings and that's what he will um, speak to us about and, as I mentioned, he has a long history also with our organization. Dr Richard McCleary has a PhD from the University of Edinburgh and he is currently a senior lecturer in Islamic art and architecture at the University of York and the research director of the British Institute of Persian Studies, one of the other British international research institutes. His research focuses primarily on medieval Islamic architecture from Anatolia to Central Asia and on Iranian overglaced ceramics from the 12th to 14th centuries. Um, There is more sort of about his publications uh, in, in in the advertisements for all of our speakers today. Dr. Maher Abu Manshah completed his PhD in Islamic history at Dundee in the UK and is currently Associate Professor of Islamic History at Qatar University. Previously, he was a visiting senior lecturer to the Department of Islamic History and Civilization at the University of Malaya, Malaysia, and before that, he worked at the Al Maktoum University Institute, sorry at the University of Aberdeen from 2003 to 2009. So his teaching and research lies in the areas of Islamic history with a special interest in the history of Jerusalem and the history of Muslim-Christian relations and the Crusades, the Crusaders. Um, All of our speakers have um, very long and distinguished publication records. So I think uh, with with that, I'm going to hand over to Professor Andrew Peterson to give his overview of all the the work that he and colleagues have um, have done at, on Ramla. Thank you very much.
1: Okay. Um, okay. Uh, thank you very much, Carol, for the introduction, and. Um, I, I'm very very pleased to to have this opportunity to talk about uh, the Ramla project and I'm very pleased that we have um, that the CBRL has has decided to 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 really publicize this 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 proj- project which is, Although perhaps people may not have heard of it, it's actually been a project which has been ongoing with the um, CBRL for many years. Um, uh, and so uh, it's a great opportunity to talk about it. And I'd also like to thank Richard McClary, and Maha for um, acting as discussants in this in this uh, in this webinar, uh, because I think they'll both add. They both kind of um, uh, have expertise which is relevant to um, uh, to this project, this this publication. Uh, Richard McCleary's, um expertise in Islamic architecture um, will hopefully be able to uh, provide um, a different perspective on the. Um, on the architecture of Ramla, and Mahar is actually he's actually within he's actually uh, one of the authors of this publication, but he's also got particular expertise in, in as 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 you know in Palestine, but also in uh, in the the history, and he's also dealt with two um, he's translated and worked on two um, two Arabic documents directly related to uh, Ramla, so he might. Be able, you might mention those later on. Um, but first, by way of introduction, I should say that the Ramla project um, kind of grew out of the um, the Mamluk Jerusalem project, which uh, some of you may be aware of, which is a, a project which was uh, begun uh, by Kathleen Kenyon. Uh, really in response to um, the uh, difficult situations in, in Jerusalem after the, um, after the Israeli um, sort of conquest of, of, of Jerusalem and the, and the fact that the working within the British school was, uh, it was actually quite difficult to do any excavations. And so the idea was to dock to really investigate the architecture Historic architecture of Jerusalem, and focus on something for which Jerusalem is very famous. It's 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 Mamluk architecture, uh, and um, yeah. So the project um, of Mamluk Jerusalem was a, a, a major initiative, and is funded by, amongst others, the World of Islam Festival Trust. And this this documented the immense immensely important uh, and. Uh, 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 medieval architecture of, of, of Jerusalem. And uh, two, two, uh, two individuals who are particularly prominent within this were uh, Michael Burgoyne and, and Donald Richards. Uh, uh, Donald Richards was a, um, a very uh, Famous uh, historian of the medieval Islamic period, Mamluk period, and he wrote a lot about the uh, the Mamluks and both in Egypt and um, and within Palestine, and he really provided the historical context for the uh, for Mamluk Jerusalem. And as many of you may know, Michael Burgoyne was also the he's an architect. Um, but he was the uh, the chief author of the book on uh, the, the this major book on Mamluk Jerusalem, and both both Michael and Donald uh, uh, during the course of their work on um, on Jerusalem. Uh, also became aware of uh, the significance of, of Ramla, the city of Ramla. So yeah, so um, both Donald Richards and Michael Burgoyne, the, the, some, the, the key authors really of the um, Mamluk Jerusalem volume, which is a major, has major significance in preserving much of the old city of Jerusalem. They became aware of Ramla and and how important Ramla was for in architectural and historical terms for understanding uh, uh, Palestine and um, so they both at, uh, pushed quite hard to have a, a project started on Ramla. Um, this actually took quite a long time to get going and it wasn't, didn't really start formally until uh, 1995. So that, this is the, the beginning of the project um, but as you may, okay. So that's that's the, the background. So the Ramleth project started in 1995, and um, for a variety of reasons, some of which I'll mention, the, the the final report on the project only appeared last year in 2021. So it took extraordinarily long time to get uh, to become published. Um, and this was for a variety of reasons. Part one of these is um, the original project was a project of the British School of Archaeology in Jerusalem, which uh, later amalgamated with the Council, CBRL, Council for British Research in the Levant. And due to lots of administrative changes, um, Ramla sort of. Uh, uh, it, as a project, it it dropped in importance uh, because of the the, the complexities of the the merger and also because of um, problems within Israel and Palestine as well. So that's just kind of a a basic background uh, to to the evolution of the project. Um, Now, uh, if we look at the first picture this, uh, this is just uh, the, the front cover of the, of the book, which just appeared just last year. So I should also mention that the book is uh, jointly edited by myself and Dennis Pringle. Dennis Pringle is, as again, as many of you may know, is a very prominent um, and also he's a, also a historian, also based in, uh, he's based in Cardiff. And um, he was also one of the people pushing for this project in the first place. Now, uh, I'd, uh, I'll just introduce you briefly to some of the some of the, 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 the chapters within the book, just to give you kind of an, an over, overview and also really to introduce you to the authors. So the authors of this uh, of the chapters are, are there in yellow. So we've got Robert Hoyland, uh, um, Donald Richards, Peter Edbury, Matthew Elliott, Benjamin Kadar. So, lots of very famous and important historians, archaeologists uh, specializing in the sort of medieval period. So, we, we're very fortunate really to assemble this group of, um, of scholars to work on Ramla. And I think one of, one of the benefits of the project having um, taken so long to to finally come together in a book is that we've been able to get really the best people to contribute to this. So they're all all really the the top experts in this, and they they've made a, a, a much better book than you could have if it had been just produced over a, over a, um, a shorter period. Um, unfortunately, two two of the authors um, didn't. Uh, did actually manage to see the book uh, published, but um, unfortunately died before before, uh, well, before this webinar, but at least they managed to see it out. Um, so, but we, we're very lucky that all these people contributed their time and their expertise. And also it was a, an immensely complex editing process as well, um, because one of the problems with the uh, Publication project like this over many years is that new data emerges and we over time. So um, so for example um, so for example we had um, um, a lot of new inscriptions added to Mehmed Tunju's uh. Uh, section on the Arabic inscriptions from Ramla, so we've actually got some previously unpublished inscriptions and this really is the only corpus of inscriptions from Ramla, which I should say the inscriptions are very important and they include some of the earliest waqf or um, uh, foundation uh, inscriptions for charitable institutions, so some of the first in the Islamic world, so very very important material from this. So. Cumulatively, this book does contain some extremely um, useful and important information relevant not only to Ramla, but also to um, to the wider Islamic world and Middle East. OK, now, um, I've said all this and I haven't really yet said too much about the city of Ramla, and I'm going to start by coming at this from a slightly uh, odd angle by talking about um, another book. And this is a book which was uh, published, I think it was in uh, um, I think it was published in um, uh, 1998, I think, I'm just gonna, by Sandy Tolan. And um, I'm sorry, it was first published in 2006. So Lemon Tree by Sandy Tolan is a story of, um, it really is a story of um, uh, kind of the creation of Israel and uh, both the pain and the the pain and the joy it's caused to some people. And so, and really the complexities of, of, of any work, uh, which deals with sort of the heritage of the region. But interestingly, Sandy Tolan's work uh, focuses on, on two families who um, uh, who both owned a house in Ramla. And so some, the, the Lemon Tree is one of the few books which really goes into a lot of detail describing how um, the city of Ramla changed from uh, being... Um, uh, uh, a part of, an arab city part of mandate palestine to a city which is today uh, a prominently jewish city and it, it's kind of a microcosm of, of change in the in the middle east especially within israel and just in relation to that, I should say that also within within our own publication, it's it's quite noticeable that we've included Israelis, Palestinians, Europeans, sort of basically anybody's an expert. And I think one of the one of the nice things about working on Ramla is is whatever background you're from, all there's a lot of enthusiasm for, for really bringing out the history and heritage of this this very unusual city. But. Um, so, um, the transition, which happened in 1948, um, uh, took place when Ramla was captured by the, um, by the Jewish forces. And this is just a photograph uh, taken at the time when you see um, the uh, Arab or Palestinian inhabitants of Ramla uh, being moved out of the city. And uh, Sandy Tolan's book, um, contains a sort of like very detailed description of this. And I'll just give you a little bit of this just to give you an idea of the feeling of, 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 of the immensity of what happened. So he says, the morning of July the 14th was cloudless and extremely hot. It was the middle of July, the seventh day of Ramadan. Thousands of people had already been expelled from our Ramla by bus and truck. Some, like Bashir and his siblings, had left well before the Jewish soldiers arrived, taking temporary refuge in Ramallah. Others in the hairy clan had remained in Ramallah. Ferdus and her cousin's aunt and uncle sat waiting at the bus term in Ramallah. They were perhaps 35 in all of this family. With them, they carried a few suitcases, bundles of clothes, and gold strapped to their bodies. Ferdus, the girl guide, had also packed her uniform and brought along her knife and whistle, They had planned for a short trip in miles and in days. They were certain they would be coming back soon when the Arab armies recaptured Ramla. Well, um, without telling you too much about exactly what happened in the book, uh, they had to wait over 20 years to return to their home. And eventually, when they did return to their home, there was a from a Bulgarian family there who'd also been displaced uh, from Bulgaria and they they uh, living in their house. And then follows this extraordinary encounter where the, the Bulgarian Jewish family and the Palestinian family made friends and decided to make their house into a house of peace and reconciliation where both Palestinians and Jews could Discuss culture and issues of peace. So it's 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 really a very interesting story, which is is very true. But just to give you like that kind of that contemporary context of of the. Meaning of Ramla. So now I'm going to dive right back and say a little bit about what Ramla is. Now, the first thing I should say, because um, it's often confused, many people, I mean, it's an obvious point, many people confuse Ramla with Ramallah. So they're very similar names and they're both, in a way, kind of Palestinian capitals. In a way, Ramallah is kind of the unofficial capital of of, um, today's Palestine, whilst Ramla was. Another type of um, capital. So, um, I should the, the the most significant fact probably about Ramla is to say that Ramla is really the only uh, city that was founded uh, as a new city uh, by the Arab Muslims after they conquered uh, the, the greater Syria, and is the only city within within the region that they created. So most, there's no other major city within Palestine that was actually created by the Muslims or, or by the Arabs as, as an Islamic city. So that's sort of kind of the most important sort of point to, to know about Ramla. Now, um, it was founded around about uh, 712 AD by Suleiman ibn abdul malik and he was the brother of the uh, Umayyad Caliph al-Walid and it's founded in around 712 to be uh, as as a city uh, next to um, the already existing uh, city of Lod or Lida. Now Lida was a primary, uh, was kind of an economic capital within Palestine. Um, I'll just so, show you this. Um, so this, this little map you can see here is uh, shows you the um, divisions of, of Palestine under the Umayyads and so it's uh, divided into um, two Druns or armies, regions, and so there's a Drun Philistine you'll see here, and it actually um, In the early years of Islamic rule, the the capital shifted. Uh, And so the first capital was Caesarea, and then the armies moved to Emwas, uh, known in biblical terms as Emmaus. And then the the army there was struck by a plague, and um, the capital moved then to um, Jerusalem. And then in 712, uh, Suleiman ibn Abdul Malek declared uh, a, um, Ramla a, a new city. He created a new city, the city of Ramla, just next to Lida, as 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 a new capital. Now, Lida had previously been the um, uh, uh, a very important commercial centre within Palestine, um, and the idea was that um, to create a city which instead of being controlled by the Christians controlled by Muslims so this new city was really ca-existing textile industries in in Lydda, yet uh, creating a new space where uh, from which the, the 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 muslim rulers could 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 rule palestine Uh, And you'll see from this this slide here, you can see the the location. So Ramla's on the on the main highway between um, basically between Egypt, between uh, Egypt and Damascus, this kind of coastal road via Maris. And it's also significantly, it's on the the, the main route between uh, Jaffa, um, the port of Jerusalem and Jerusalem. So it's in a, in a in a perfect position economically and um although we we don't know the exact date of the foundation it's, it's, we think it's roughly about uh, uh 712 the um construction of the, c- the city is by the 9th century historian baladuri and he said that the the first thing that that uh, Solomon built uh, was his palace, and an installation known as the Dyer's Work in the middle of which he installed a cistern. Now um, you'll see if you actually look at the book, we've had, there's quite a lot of archaeological information about these cisterns and the dyeing that took place in Ramla. So again, this is a textile industry. So basically, they're directly. Taking the textile industry from Leder and transplanting it to Ramla, and so right at that early stage, you see this link between the the economic importance of the of the city and the region, this this textile industry, and also the um, the um, the, uh, the 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 location, the the caliph, uh, the the, the, um, the ruler having his his. Um, uh, the ruler of governor of Palestine, having his palace there. And so he, uh, as soon as he built the dyers to work and the, the, the industrial implantation in, in his palace, he, then he also laid out a mosque next door and built it. And But he became caliph before he'd finished, and then he, um, he, he built it a little bit more. And subsequently, Omar ibn Aziz completed the plan although to reduce plan um, and so he also dug a, a canal uh, for the people of ramla and called it Barada after the name of the uh, the, the, the river in um, in Damascus and he also excavated various wells um, and um, the mosque was built by um, he, by uh, a christian uh, who he employed to do this and um, the other the important thing is that um, and this is emphasized by all the all the historians is that before Suleiman ibn abdul malik there's no city of Ramla. and its place was just sand Ramla. and so the general idea is that the name of uh, the name for the city Ramla comes from the idea of this this idea that you have um, an empty uninhabited area, and it's like kind of, it's sort of perhaps a reference to it just being just built on on, on on bare land. Um, uh, there, there are also some other possibilities for the name. Um, there, there have been some ideas that perhaps there was maybe some, um, some, uh, some derivation from some Jewish name, but that's generally been discounted. And there's another sort of intriguing possibility that the name May actually be some reference to um, one of Muhammad's wives, his youngest wife, called it was also called Ramla. So these are some sort of ideas, but generally speaking, the the most accepted idea is that the name Ramla comes from the name of sand. And so it's this idea of uh, I suppose uh, what we using another sort of uh, material, we describe it as a clean slate. It was just a brand new place. Now, um, uh. The, the, the problem of course with founding a new city and this is, this is often the case is that especially when you're trying to determine the location yourself instead of relying on natural features is that you have to um, the, the, the Ramler and this occurs throughout its history it was always short of water because it wasn't built on a natural water source. And as, as we heard from Baladuri, the, a special canal was built to supply the city. Um, and we'll hear a bit more about, I'll say a little bit more about that. So um, what I'm showing you now is a map of Bramla of, of um with, with the early Islamic buildings and features identified in the city. So, Actually, since this map was made, there have been many more excavations in Ramla, and these are these are detailed in the book in, um, in a section by um, Gideon Avni, who is in charge of the um, excavation uh, department in the Israel Antiquities Authority, and he very generously was able to supply. A really excellent summary of all the excavations that have taken place within Ramla, and there have been very many because of the there's a lot of building work taken place in Ramla since since the year about 2000. So there's been huge numbers of excavations, and now in archaeological terms, we know a lot more about Ramla than we did at the beginning. And as I say, this is, this is really one of the benefits of, of this project having taken so long, but really. Um, I think one of the things that's come out of getting the, the, the work, this archaeological work by the Israel Antiquities Authority, is just really how big um, a Mayad early Islamic Ramla was. That's that's one of the things. And then the other thing is that's in a way is no surprise but it's come across very strongly is that um, really although the city was founded by Suleiman Abdul Malik, really the the height of the, the, the city's prosperity was, was achieved sort of really after about 750 and during after the Abbasid period and right into the Fatimid period. So really right up, to, up until about the uh, the 900s. This was a really thriving city. And this is reflected, for example, if you look at um, some of the Geniza documents uh, edited by Goetan, and you can see in these, there's... Vast numbers of letters uh, written from, from merchants in Ramla to the correspondents in Egypt, and you can see the vast trade that was being carried uh, from Ramla Let's see you really get an idea that this is a a major uh, financial center. And this is reflected in the archeology span by the drill installations and also the houses that uh, have been excavated. Um, And so the houses, many of the houses are are, are large buildings, villas, I'd say, well spaced out. And really um, you get an impression of a a very pleasant place to live with, with, uh, a thriving economy, large villas uh, where people could live, and also we have from again from the Geniza documents, and also from other sources. So we know, for example, there's, there's a, a Jewish quarter with its own markets. Uh, there's also um, so lots of different people were living in Ramla, and it's really a, a major hub. Uh, for people uh, living in in Palestine, um, I'm just um, and so this is what I'm showing you here is the Al anazir cisterns at Ramla. These are probably one of the most famous mon- surviving monuments of the early Islamic period in Ramla. And this is a, a picture taken in uh, I'd say uh, 1960s, and this shows the um, just gives you a view of the cisterns, and this, these are those cisterns now restored. Um, so the, this boat's down them, which you can ride around inside, but this these cisterns are, are very significant, and there's a, a an inscription uh, within the uh, cisterns cut into the plaster. Which details how these uh, systems were created during the Umayyad, which is which is very significant in the ninth century, which shows that there's huge investment still being carried on into the late into the Abbasid uh, 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 period, and showing how that how the city was thriving and needed these vast systems to supply the. Ever-growing population of the city. So um, just and just incidentally, these, these systems architecturally are important because I think they're the first use, consistent use of the pointed arch in Islamic architecture, which later was fed into Gothic architecture. So this is a very important monument in, in that architecturally as well. Um, and just just to continue on the theme of water, um, I mentioned in Baladuri's uh, description. He also mentioned this uh, this this water source, uh, the uh, Barada, this canal which is uh, which is uh, built to supply Ramla, because, as I said, it was a it was a sandy, open plain before the city was founded, and. Um, Water had to be supplied, and instead of getting it from Lydda, it was supplied by this specially constructed canal which collected water from near Telgeza. And you can see that on this little planet it's down in the bottom right-hand corner. That's Tel Giza. And the uh, this is the line of the cistern which was um, which was detected and um, and um, studied by the archaeologists Amir Gorzel journey uh, and if you look here this is uh, just some examples of where the, where the the canal has or the aqueduct supplying cities has, has been uncovered and excavated in recent years so um, and one of the one of the things that's come out from this uh study of this this aqueduct is that actually there are many layers of replastering rebuilding so it was it was a very very well maintained aqueduct and i i should imagine very expensive to maintain but it was maintained both by replastering and 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 um rebuilding when necessary when it's damaged and covered over so Uh, there was a very strong incentive for maintaining uh, a good water supply to the city which obviously was supported by the economy of the city so it's really very well worth doing this and again with the with the cisterns we see uh, built uh, in the time of Haruna Rashid there was obviously an incentive to keep people living and to keep the lifestyle of people living in this city right into the into the into the uh 10th and early 11th century but one of the other by this time by we get to the time we get to 11th century we start to see um some of the problems which are known throughout the middle east to sort of really begin to impact on Ramla and so we start to get accounts of um of uh, the, for example, the aqueduct not working and people being short of water and everybody has to build their own cisterns or in, in their own houses. So we start to get some idea of decline. And so by the time of the, um, the um, uh, Crusader conquest at the end of the 11th century they actually, when they arrived at Rumla, um, they found the city de- deserted, the gates open. By this time, the, initially, we think the city didn't have a wall, but by the 11th century, the city did have a wall and this, it's been detected in a few places. But the Crusaders basically found the city undefended and they're simply able to walk into the city and and occupy it. And um, and you can see in, in the book within Dennis Pringle's section, you can see a, a really detailed uh, discussion of the Crusader Ramla. Ramla. Um, and you can see um, how uh, the Crusaders basically fundamentally remodeled the city. And so that the city we have today, the old city of Ramla, which is essentially a product of the post Crusader period. Um, so, uh, but before uh, talking more about that, I'll just mention the second most famous monument, or possibly the most famous, depending on your background, is the, is the, uh, the, the White Mosque in Ramla. And um, this is chiefly famous uh, for amongst. Sort of non specialists for the tower, and the tower was known locally as the Tower of 40 Martyrs because there's a story that, um, that uh, it was built by the Mamluk. Well, that it was built by there are a variety of stories. There's a there was a persistent belief that this is actually a crusader tower built by the crusaders, and then kind of later later repurposed as a minaret for the, the white mosque this has really been discounted and it's it's because of the the nature of the construction where a Mamluk inscription is is physically embedded within the, the whole structure of the it's impossible that it could be a Crusader construction, but it does include many uh, stylistic features such as the cushion, voussoirs, and other other features, and some of the capitals reused. So, it reuses a lot of um, um, uh, Crusader uh, materials and, and style within it, but it's basically a, a Mamluk construction from the early uh, 14th century, built on the site of a, an earlier. Uh, Minaret, but it's called the Tower of 40 Martyrs because, according to the um, uh, a local story, um, they, they use Christian captured crusader. Uh, uh, labourers or arch uh, builders to make the tower and when they'd finished they all had they all, they pushed them all off so this is the the name of the story of, of, of the tower so the tower is the most still today it's the most sort of um, most well-known symbol of Ramla and you can see it's it's something that we've used on the, on the on the front cover of the book but the mosque the white mosque itself is actually much older um, so it's originally built in the Umayyad period and is mentioned by Baladuri and according to those early texts it seems like the um, the, uh, the mosque was built uh, adjacent to um, the uh, governor's palace and by analogy with other early Islamic cities, for example, Kufa. And Basra in Iraq and other other, other uh, early um, Islamic cities, it, it's probable that the that the palace that the governor's palace have actually stood at the back of the um, uh, uh, of the mosque in an area that which is currently a Muslim cemetery. So that hasn't really been excavated. Although it's probably worth mentioning that you can see I've, I've seen in that area that you get lots of um, glass mosaic tesserae tesserae. Which could possibly come from palatial building, but obviously, as a as a, as a, as a uh, so. But this is the uh, what you can see here in this picture is, is a Mamluk structure um, uh, from the 13th century, uh, built on the on the remains of the Umayyad Mosque, um, and also beneath. Beneath the mosque, there are also cisterns very similar to the cisterns, um, uh, the Alanir, those cisterns I mentioned earlier, the Alanazir cisterns, and um, it seems quite likely that they're of a a similar date, probably ninth century. Um, so, um, I'm just showing you here, um, um, uh, uh, a mosaic, a mosaic inscription uh, uh, from excavations by uh, Miriam Rosen eilon which were carried out in Ramla in the 1970s, 60s, 70s, and uh, this was excavated from a house, uh, one of these large palatial villas that, that this seemed to have occupied much of the space of Ramla and um, Within the house, uh, this mihrab mosaic was found, which is interesting. So it seemed like, as well as the obviously the the white mosque, the main mosque, there were places for personal devotion or family devotion, devotions within within the uh, within the well-to-do houses. So this is just a, a very interesting example of that. And I thought I'd just show you some other examples now of the excavations that have been ta- taking place and that they're, they're ongoing within Ramla. These are excavations took place in the 1990s. Uh, quite deep stratigraphy. Um, and on the top right hand, you can see. Um, Um, which is uh, not a very good photograph but we've got a much better photograph in the book and this is of a a, um, a mosaic um, scene um, showing um, from the 10th to the 11th century um, from a vault um, to the south of the White Mosque so this is a it seemed like a large number, a lot of these villas had huge mosaics, um, very similar to um, similar quality to some of them of similar quality, what you might have seen in Kherbat al Mafta in the Jordan Valley. And just down to the right, you can see a range of uh, ceramics. Most of these are. Um, Sort of early Islamic ninth, eighth, ninth century, uh, and including um, also vessels made from marble, which is uh, uh, reworked. And just earlier on, I mentioned the fact that after the Crusaders uh, took over, um, okay, the. The city seems to have been suffered severe decline before the arrival of the Crusaders, and that's to do with political uh, problems within the uh, Fatimid Empire in the Islamic world and uh, incoming Turkomans, and also kind of junction uh, sort of between sort of like the Fatimid world and, and the the, um, the rest of the Caliphate. So. It, uh, it really suffered, and, and once the Crusaders established themselves, it's probable, it seems likely, that this Crusaders established themselves in an area that was already inhabited uh, by Christians. And so, in a sense, the old city which we have today is um, the, the, the city that... Um, the, the, what had been the uh, Christian quarter in the early Islamic period. Um and so this is just a view of Ramla as it is today. I'll just check for time. Are we am, am I okay for time? Yeah. I
0: think if you can just wind wind up, we can
1: okay, yeah. So uh the other the other famous mosque in Ramla is actually the Crusader, Converted Crusader Church. This is another major, major um landmark. And inside of that church which is subsequently uh, converted into a mosque and you can see similar examples whereby you just uh, you just in this case convert the, the southern wall into you put insert a mihrab in there so that's um and so lastly, I'll just say a little bit about some of the medieval buildings in Ramla. This is just a few examples. So on the left, top left, you have the uh, bathhouse, Hamama Redwan. Rid- is a large, very large bathhouse. On the right, you get a caravanserai, Khan, Khan al Idam. And uh, down to the left, you have what is known as the Moroccan uh, mosque. Uh, and on bottom right is uh, Mamluk tomb Sheikh Hamar, which I uh, visited with Donald Richards. He's very taken with this. It had some quite important inscriptions in it, and this is uh, interesting. Um, I should probably say that the old city of Ramla, um, there are probably some changes at the moment, but at the time of a lot of the survey work, a lot of the old religious buildings. Uh, were lived in by, uh, let's say, Arabs-Palestinians who uh, were perhaps first moved into them as refugees and then were later living in them, kind of protecting them and providing some sort of, uh, apparently, in recent times, some of these buildings have been uh, repurposed. So, okay, thank you, That's, uh, that's just a brief overview i could go on but i think it's time to
0: <laughs> well yeah. yeah thank you very yeah. much uh, andrew for the the overview and also for the sort of insights into the book and the and the period of time and the length of study and, and of the of the city itself i'm going to now um, hand over to dr richard McClary to to ask some um initial questions around the architecture so you can say a little bit more about some of the things you've mentioned yeah. too good.
2: thanks carol yes and thanks and that was a really fascinating uh overview and, and with detailed elements as well um you know i think it's, it's still good that the book has come out i know you said it was a long time coming but uh, you know the, the gestation adds to the quality so um i mean there's a there's a few things i'll go through a few of the things that I'd like to pick up on and then ask maybe if you could respond specifically to this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting that there's there seems to be evidence of Abbasid investment when that seems to be something that in the context of Damascus, that you know, it wasn't the capital that they weren't as keen to invest in. So it's, it's interesting that they are investing in in the Aramala at this point and, and the point about the pointed arch. Um, you know, the, the water is obviously key in the, uh, the water infrastructure and, and the wider context, you know, the, 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 the white mosque seems very similar to. To things even you know as far away as Sylvan up, up in the sort of what is now Turkey but of course is still historically just part of the same region that the architecture and um, the, the use of spoilers very interesting I see there's that little bit sticking out of the the Jamil Maghrabi uh, minaret you mm-hmm. so, might comment if there's more yeah. examples of that um, mm-hmm. and, and also the elbow bracket because it's something I'm my own personal obsession with elbow brackets and they You know to have them in the 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 mosque in 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 um, al-Aqsa mosque uses them in the rebuild after the, the occupation. Uh, mm-hmm. and new ones seem to be used even up in, in Konya and in the Al-Adin mosque. So um that, that, that would be quite interesting. So it was fascinating to see that the white mosque um and 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 in a hint of the, the Crusader church. So I have got a few things to unpack, but I wondered if you could speak, you know, just a, a little bit about that wider context where the buildings fit into
1: the wider regional context, and, and maybe something on Spolia as well. Yeah, okay. Um, well, in terms of wider regional context, uh, that, that is it's an interesting, very interesting sort of question. And just, let, let's say just, just within Palestine, for example, um, you get, of course, Jerusalem, which is sort of very well known, very well studied. And then you get kind of Gaza. And it's interesting that, um, just in terms of architectural techniques, materials, um, I'd say Ramler kind of, as you'd expect, as it fit, actually is, it sort of fits between the between the two. Um, um, and just a little point, which I, I think is probably worth mentioning, is um, I talk I talked about the ha- the houses quite a lot. I mentioned some of the houses from the early Islamic period, and we have later houses. But I, I, I strongly think um, that a lot of the earlier houses were probably built of uh, mud brick or mud construction, and this this seemed to have been missing uh, from the excavation. So I think possibly the excavators weren't kind of expecting this. So you find a lot of the a lot of the um, a lot of remains, domestic remains, and a lot of the outlines of houses. And it's you. I mean, it could be that. Yeah. I mean, obviously there was stone robbing, but I suspect there's also a lot of houses built out of mud brick as well. Um, uh, and we have a, a, a few odd example, but I, I'd say what's interesting is so. It's been very hard to actually reconstruct the actual forms of some of the some of the early houses. Um, And in terms of sort of uh, the regional pattern, I'd say, um, yeah, I mean, the White Mosque obviously evolved over a period of, you know, 600 years or whatever, um, gradually changed, um, and just what's worth pointing out is that in terms of topography, the White Mosque actually stands outside the old city of Ramla today. So you get the old city and then the White Mosque. So I think it's already understood um, uh, in the post-Crusader period that the that Ramla represented this ancient, the the White Mosque represented this ancient sort of glorious city, and it seems to be that the the Ayyubids uh, were the first people to kind of rebuild the uh, the White Mosque, which was substantially damaged. So of that that, that photograph I showed you, that seems like they actually, first of all, built one small part to kind of get it going again. And um, Ibn Battuta, I think he, he mentioned the hundreds of martyrs that are buried in, in Ramla, hundreds of um, Muslim saints that are buried there. And so I think by after the Crusades, it it kind of acquired this um, this um, this aura of a place that represented the glories of the early Islamic world, which is why the White Mosque was rebuilt on such a massive scale in the early uh, 14th century together with this huge, huge minaret, so it's kind of very symbolic, I think. Uh, and um, yeah, and as to the the, the use of spoilier so there's yeah, there's there, you're right to point. There's two. Uh, well, actually, there's 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 some very interesting things. So when Ramla was founded in the um, in about 712, um, Suleiman. He, he got quite angry because, first of all, he demanded... It really arose out of a dispute with the leaders of the city of Lydda that um, he wanted basically... I mean, he wanted basically to be able to live there and to take a proportion of their profits. And the um, the, the merchants or the leaders of Lydda were not prepared to do this. So he said, OK, I'm going to destroy Lydda. He meant economically. Um, so, but what he did is he, he ripped down a lot of buildings there, and they actually invented, according to uh, I think Lucardesi, they invented a special saw for cutting up marble. There, <laughs> a new type of sort of device which could cut up. So there's yeah there's plentiful uh, reuse. Like, and you can see from the excavations, and I've even seen it myself. There's a lot of mar- mar- marble cut up from reused and. And then, of course, yeah. So there's there's a lot of that. Um, so let's say Byzant- Byzantine uh, marble reused. And I think the um, in the Jamil Maghreb, the one where you showed a bit of chancel screen jutting out, yeah, I think that's 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 uh, from a from a Byzantine uh, church. But then there is also extensive reuse. Say, for example, in um, the White Mosque, the Tower of the White Mosque. But also in some of the other buildings, like, um, uh, there's, 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 um, um, I don't remember the name of it. Um, yeah, in in some of the other Muslim, Muslim uh, uh, tombs, there's a lot of reused crusader material. And then, of course, there's the, the very famous, the, 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 uh, the Great Mosque which is obviously a crusader church which has kind of been repurposed and I think all of this was not just convenience as well as you know if you look at if you look at the White Mosque and the, the Great Mosque which became which today is the, the principal Friday mosque of, of the old city of Ramla, there's clearly a message in there of sort of kind of triumph over over Christianity that you've got a, a rebirth of the the ancient city and and the commemoration in the White Mosque. Plus you've also got this important crusader building, which has been repurposed as, as a mosque. Yeah,
2: okay. Um, well, that's, that's really, really helpful, really good to, to expand yes. on. I thought the, the quality of the, the mosaics that you showed so I was also really interesting because mm. Kebata al-Mafja always, always sort of runs away with the glory quite rightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a unicum in that sense. So that that was really interesting. What well, I'm sure there's lots of uh, lots of questions going to be coming in. So I'm gonna leave it at that point and hand over to Mahad to, to take over.
0: Ready to join us and uh, and comment. Hello. <laughs>
2: Oh, well, well, my hair's coming. I, I, I did think it was really interesting what you said about the, the, the bare brick, it not being an entirely lithic city, even for the luxury buildings. Mm, mm, yeah,
1: and um, I mean, the, the other thing that's probably worth mentioning is a very sprawl, the early Islamic city was really sprawling. I mean, um, yeah, so... It, it, we don't even know the outer extents of it, it seems to be vast actually, um, and that area, I mean, okay, it's the, the there's the textile trade and the money and stuff, but also agriculturally that area seems to be incredibly wealthy as well, so um, there's a very dense network of small villages around, so there seems to be an urban sprawl as well in, in that uh, early period. Um, Thank you. I'm going, to, I'm going
0: to leave it to mm-hmm. Maha now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Maha, are you, are you able to join us? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm I'm. there to be honest.
3: Okay. I've been trying to... Uh, uh, you, you can't stop can me we... because the host has stopped it. Okay. Uh,
0: we, can, we can hear you, but we can't see you if you right. want to. Um,
3: yeah see I'm, all right okay so, uh, because I, i've tried uh, to open the camera but it keeps telling me that you can't start your video because the host has stopped it uh but it's okay um... okay <laughs> okay we'll try and fix this one please. all right
0: okay. if
3: okay. you ask your
0: question right
3: okay okay yeah. um, um, um first of all i um, um, uh, it's it's a great pleasure to be with you tonight and uh, i'm very thankful to you Claire, uh, uh and uh, to every person actually uh, behind the scene organizing this session um, also uh, my thanks goes to uh, my thanks go to uh, andrew and richard it's very important uh, topic to be, to be discussed tonight it's very informative uh, presentation uh, uh, i have learned a lot of things tonight from andrew and from the questions brought forward by richard uh, and uh, i think it's the time has come to deal with the historical issue rather than uh, uh, archaeology and uh, 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 other matters. Uh, I think. I think. Um, I'll just go back to the time in which the city was established. Um, for, first of all, let me just speak about the, why it was named by 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 Ramla. By the way, in Arabic we say Ramla, but in English we say Ramla. Uh, and therefore, uh, if if we need to know exactly why why it was named or or why why it was given that name, for sure, not not because the the prophet's uh, wife. Uh, has the, had the name of Ramla because it should be a ramla Or uh, there's like a historical narrative that uh, uh, Suleyman Ab- ibn Abd al-Malik, the person who uh, demarketed and he built the city, uh, he was passing by uh, a tent and he found a lady with the name of Ramla. And because of that, he decided to to, to, to call the city uh, as Ramla. No, no, to be honest, um, I think Ar-Ramla comes, from, uh, you know, Al ramla sands. And because the location it, it was not inhabited by people, most likely it was given that name because of as as you know you know Dr. Andrew was trying to explain these things I, th- I think I think uh, I'm inclined to go towards uh, toward, uh, um that this city was named Ramla after you know or because of the ram or because of the sand surrounded the area. I have got a question to Andrew. Uh, we know that Ramla and alud because ramla you know it's as as part mm. of that region uh alud was was conquered by umar ibn al as eh, during the waves of the muslim conquest eh, during the you know in the 7th century uh talking about uh or m- more particularly on uh, 637 uh, mm. then he he went to alud and because lud was a very important city during the Byzantium time he put his hand on lud and he considered it as the capital of Palestine or Palestine, the first at that time. What, what, why Sulaiman Abdel Malik Malik took him that long? We know that he came later on to become the ruler of Palestine. But why took him a relatively long period of time to establish Al-Ramla and to have it as the capital of Palestine or the, uh, the, the, the the place in which he ruled the country? Why, why, why he didn't uh, continue with what started with others? Uh, with regarding lud and then to extend lud uh, any reason, any political reason? I knew lud was a, 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 an economic hub. Yeah. Uh, lud uh, as you mentioned, was in a very strategic place. But why he didn't think of combining these two things together? Any reason behind that? But, but, yeah. Was he trying to make later on the capital of the Umayyad Caliph? Uh, in parallel with with Damascus or or there, there is something behind uh, his decision this first one the way he did the, the way he demarketed and the city uh, it was in a very very clever way which 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 uh, later on could help thousands of people to come and live and we know that when he created the city he made it in a different quarter so people from different tribes, could come and live, and that what what really happened. And you mentioned the aunt that he started with the palace, then he went to uh, to build the the uh, the uh, uh, the headquarter of ruling, then the mosques, and the market. Um, wh- 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 why he very in- why he was very interested in making that city in particular
1: uh, a very in- a very important. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. so, so I, hope, I hope you'll be able to do with me. Okay. Yeah. I, so thank you. Thank you. That's 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 really uh, an important question and it really goes to the heart of this this whole thing. And I think because Ramler is as I say it's sort of pretty unique in 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 in, in um well, in the greater Syria, I suppose, in this in the Levant, let's say, it's it's really almost unique as a as a Muslim new city. Uh, this isn't something that's sort of more common in the, uh, let's say, in Iraq, where you have uh, Kufa, Basra, Wasit, and lots of other places. So, um, and also Samara uh, later on, and Baghdad. So there, there's, a, there's a tradition there. But within this area, it's kind of, Within an area that's like had lots of thriving Byzantine and earlier cities, why why do you found a new city? Um, I, th- I, th- I think part of the reason is the reason given is that um, this idea of um, gaining control of, I think a financial thing. if you look at Baladuri, he said what he says about the the first buildings. Fa- there which is the, the dyer's house in other words the place that's making making the dyed cloth and remember for 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 us in the 21st century clothes are very cheap textiles are cheap but I, i'm increasingly struck by the fact that in the past clothes were super luxury items and like worth I mean there's always you read in these gift exchanges there's often cloth that's that's exchanged so cloth had a, 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 a and textiles had a, a kind of a value which is hard for us to appreciate nowadays so if you're if you're able to have a production centre to produce luxury items and dyeing was essentially the thing that really added the value when you were able to use purple dyes and various dyes to actually make coloured cloth. This was something that was really, you're really uh, giving great extra value to these textiles. So I'd say the fact that he founded this, this textile dyeing factory and his palace as the first things and the mosque as the third thing a bit later on. I think that really says something about that economics is kind of like really very much involved in this. Because if you compare it to foundation histories for, say, some of the other early Islamic new towns, there it's really much more to do with the um, the mosque and the tribal allocations and the governor's palace and industry doesn't kind of really feature in there at all whereas in this case industry kind of features qu- straight away the other thing is i think as he said i think that this idea of uh, being um uh being caliph and his his position within within the family and whether you know naming naming the aqueduct as barada whether he was trying to create a rival to damascus is kind of an idea and I, it reminds me of um samara when that was founded by the abbasids and the the caliph al-mutawakil uh who founded who founded a new bit of samara and he said quite famously now i know that i'm king because i've Built a new city and live in it, and I think there's something about this in it as well. Is that the if you feel powerful enough and you've got the resources, the idea of kind of immortalizing yourself by founding a city is is, is quite a big thing. And um, and I think again, the fact that the water supply was so difficult there and so expensive was kind of like a way of saying, "Well, look, look what I can do! I'm so rich." You know if you won't let me into your city of Lida and to share in the profits there, I can just produce my own my own city right next to you, steal all your trade and um and, and find a new city. But I think also within that, what's quite interesting, and I think it says a lot about the whole process of the Islamic conquest in various places, and we know about the the, the the peace pact for jerusalem is the is the fact that really at the time it, it, during this early period and i'd say really in most of the period before the crusades muslims were probably in the minority the majority of the population in palestine would have been christian and really they wanted to get on with the with the with the resident population so even though like he did some sort of like things which obviously the Christians in Leda wouldn't have liked taking some of the, knocking down some of their churches you're not talking about sort of really massacres here or anything like that you're talking about and the fact that he didn't just steal land he actually founded a new city in a place which I suspect he probably bought or was wasteland so he's actually getting a very cheap location and like with again with the foundation of say Baghdad or something what you're getting is you're getting a as you you pointed out you're getting a a financial you're actually able to make money from this because apart from having the industrial thing you can sell allocations in your new city your new development which is provided with water in a place that so it's really a good place for he also made a profit in that way so i think in a sense you could say for both business reasons and, you know, I'd say he's probably quite an astute businessman, plus also had ideas of, um, of, of, of perhaps, you know, um, uh, improving his own position in, in history.
3: Right, okay. Um, um, oh, thanks. Thanks for the for for, for the answer. Uh, just just to follow up with what, what you were you, uh, just to follow up and, and, and or to continue by saying that Aristarchi uh, uh, who died on the uh, mid 10th century. Mm. Uh, he was describing uh, Ramla by saying that it is the biggest city of uh, in Palestine. Mm. Even it's bigger than uh, Jerusalem, which means Where? that. And he died almost 200 years uh, after the establishment of or the foundation the uh, mm. uh, uh, the establishment of Ramla. That mm. goes actually what uh, what uh, you were were, were saying. Uh, um, let me just. Uh, uh, I'll be talking about the time of. The, I'll be. I'll just. I'll be giving some some uh, mm. very very yes. deep information <laughs> about, about the time of the Crusaders, and then uh, I'll be asking you a question. We know yeah. that Salah din when he became the Sultan of Egypt, and that was in 1174, mm. uh, and he delayed uh, uh, his project to liberate Jerusalem because there were some uh, uh, some people who caused him some troubles from uh, in Aleppo, in al Almosel, and then he delayed fighting the Crusaders. Yes, he had a, a, a tiny and a small battles here and there. But when it comes to aramla ramla no. He, he he went to Ar-Ramla at some point, and that was in 1177, and then he recaptured aramla ramla Of course, um, uh, th- that gives us uh, um, like a hint that even for Salah al-Din, ramla uh, uh, was an important location, whether from a political point of view or security point of view or, or uh, economic point of view. Really? And the crusaders, the crusaders have n't Jerusalem with the Muslims for long. We know that that in, in 1204 they recaptured uh, Ramla. Although Ramla was the place in which uh, 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 the Treaty of Ramla was signed between uh, Salah din and King Richard the Lionheart. Uh, so although. In one of the in the ter- like one of the, like in, in the terms or one term within the treaty that Alud and Ramla should be uh, shared by Muslims and the Crusaders or it's like, let's say let's divide the two cities between me mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you take this yeah, part yeah. and mm-hmm. I'll take that part. Uh, did, 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 is that, does that give you an indication that even for the Crusaders, Ramla is a very very important place, and also for Saladin? Uh, another uh, another issue the social life i i'm um, um, to be honest i do teach some uh, uh, some courses in 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 social history to my students at Qatar university and normally anything related to economic uh, life or social life of, of any community or city uh, uh, you know it just grabs my attention it my attention mm. uh, 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 greatly um, uh, and i come across and and uh, 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 yeah, the that endowment you know endowment deed by uh, 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 A bullhoda, remember, mm-hmm. and that talks about how this guy, and mm-hmm. it's part of uh, uh, the volume. It's 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 dealing with something related to social life and economic life. That person who has who had lots of uh, uh, build, uh, lots of houses a factory for soup, Mm. uh, 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 for soap, sorry. Uh, He has uh, a place to provide people with water. So he tried to manage all these things before he died. And and it's very interesting to read this endowment and to know how people were dealing with these things at that point. The other thing, uh, um, and I'll just speak briefly about Mm. it. uh, Mm. It's, uh, you know, the diary of, uh, Yusuf Dahshan, yes, yes, uh, yes. A, a priest of of ramla who was living uh, in the 18th century, uh, he he wrote a long diary, uh, uh, predicting what's gonna happen if this uh, if the climate was so and so if the if the uh, uh, if, if 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 this happened and if that happened, this person will die. If somebody comes, so it's very interesting to know how people were thinking at that time uh, and how what, what kind of mentality people had mm. at that time. Um, wh- 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 you, you, you know that you know about uh, the, this diary and about the endowment, mm. and uh, but I want I want an answer regarding yeah. the, the Crusaders and Salahdin's peers. Yeah
1: okay thank you yeah I think that's that's good I mean I think well just just this is this overall thing I'd say what what, what I find fascinating about Ramna is just that it's got this very long history Islamic history and um, it you can kind of because it came to being it was created within the full full um, full uh, you know, is fully historically documented within historical time it's interesting you can see the whole evolution and decline and rise again of of this city and in terms of um in terms of Salahuddin and Richard and the and, and 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 the the importance attached to Aramla I think I think that that's that's really um I think it's significance by that stage I think I think it Partly, it's a location. I think because the location—if you think of it—on the location between Jerusalem and and Jaffa. I think that that location, and still, you know, under the Mamluks and under the Ottomans, it was still an important. I think the Franciscan Hospice in in Ramla was a main, main real stopping place for pilgrims traveling from Jerusalem, traveling to Jerusalem from Europe. So and it caused all sorts of misunderstandings, but but so Ramlo is important. And I think to, it's also its economic importance in terms of its its location in the coastal plain. And it's, um, so even though the city may have been smaller by that time, it still controlled a lot of very wealthy villages. And so the revenues from these were, were, were kind of, very important, and so it's, I'd say it's it's an important city in in a wealthy area, and that's kind of and it's on the trade routes. And just to go to the a bit later to the 18th century, I think what what's interesting then, and something which I think we could do more about, is that there seems to have been a re- revival in the 18th century. Uh, In the region in general but particularly you can see it in Ramla and so you see new types of architecture being built you see people becoming very wealthy and so you see um, you 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 actually get um, you actually get an expansion I think of the populated area so I think Ramla in the 18th century becomes again very important and you get lots of renovations and I know there's a windmill built uh, in the uh, I think is in the 17th century. So there's a lot of investments in Ramla, and it remains consistently um, a wealthy, important uh, place. Uh, and I think it's interesting in this in this respect that also right next to it today you get Tel Aviv International Airport, so that location remained and is also had its is one of the first places in Palestine to have a railway station as well. So that you get this throughout its history, its location, it, the importance of its location is reinforced, despite the fact that let's say Jerusalem, for example, always takes all the attention really economically and in terms of infrastructure a center on the coast in that area whether it be Tel Aviv or wh- whether it's Ramla has always been very important so that's second I think what kind of comes out of that
0: yeah. yes thank you um I would, we've been trying to give people the uh, the link to the book <laughs> in the in the chat ah, right yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and it seems to be um, it seems to be a, a, a broken a broken link. We uh, a number very kindly oh, a number okay. of the audience are already are also checking. But if you can just search um, Archaeopress yeah. and and Rumler or Peterson or Pringle, it should it should come up. And also just to say, the other link that I um, that I put in the chat was for the CBRL Project Library. Where you you can find a list of uh, publications around uh, around on the Ramla project um, in various uh, from various periods from early on until until later. And thank you. Um, I realise we're running slightly slightly late, but thank you. We've still got a good number of people in the audience, and I'd like to move on to um, I'd like to move on to your your questions. And uh, starting with one from Dino Politis, um, who asks, Ramla was built as a Muslim city, but you mentioned a Jewish merchant community and Christian mosque builders. Are there textual accounts for these non-Muslim residents of Ramla? Certainly during the Ottoman period, there were tax registers recording details of the various um, communities. Can you comment?
1: On yeah. the populations? Ah yeah. Uh, yeah well I, I, can't, I can't remember actual estimates of figures but large I'd say and and I'd say further than that we know for example from the Geniza records we know that I mentioned there's a Jewish market actually there are about four or five Jewish markets so they're actually and that's just for the Jewish Jewish area so you're actually talking and Jews weren't the majority in the in in the, in, in the city so you're actually talking about um, yeah large numbers of Jews and Christians so yeah I think yeah right right from the very very beginning and I think it, from what I What I think is important really and this applies I was going to say to the whole of Palestine but actually to the whole region is that I'd say that the the number of Muslims in the area would have been started off quite small and only gradually and I think really is only after the Crusades that you get large numbers of Muslims so any city founded before then would have had a, a high high proportion of people from other places yeah so Christians and, and, and Jews and Samaritans yeah that's the other thing I should say there are a large number of Samaritans living in, in Ramla as well so it's already cosmopolitan and I think I think that's also to do with the nature of its location and if, again I mean it's not exactly the same but it's quite nearby if you think of like uh, if you compare say Tel Aviv with with Jerusalem is the cosmopolitanism I, I'd say that you get you get merchants you get it's people who are there to do you know rather than for it's not a religious city really but I suppose that's the thing even though it had religious buildings and it had um had mosques churches and, and and synagogues we know it had synagogues although it had all of these things right from the beginning it's 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 really about trade and, and and communication and i think it's well to remember that today is that the, the you know this this idea of coexistence for mutual benefit was always kind of there and just just being able to trade and to do business and to travel was much more important than um, than sort of kind of what religion or identity you have yeah
0: Another question we have Mm. from Sam Wolf, who says, I excavated a Byzantine period that is pre-Ramla olive oil production complex on the outskirts of Ramla. I'm wondering if there is evidence for olive oil production in the city itself. I seem to recall references to soap made from olive oil factories there. Is there anything else related to olive production? Uh, any uh, evidence did you that you can um, comment on?
1: None, um, not not particularly. There may be, there are some things which may have been to do with oil production and there are some collecting vats which may be to do with it, but uh, I don't think that's been sort of it could have been used for other things. So um, I'm not, not entirely sure of that, but I think I, I think it's probably quite likely, although Lider is more, cl- I mean, it, it, into Ottoman and Mandate times, lida was much more closely tied to olive oil production and soap, soap production. So it could be the case, I'm not sure, but it could be the case that that was something that Lider, Lider kind of capitalized on, as that they specialized in rather than uh, Ramla.
0: Thank you. We've just got (laughs) two more questions, um, um, and then we will close for this evening. And the first one is from uh, Mahmoud Hawari, who asks, any remains remains of walls and fortifications? Uh, Were there any remains of walls and fortifications uh, Um, dating from the Umayyad period or later medieval times?
1: I think I think I think there's maybe two places where the a wall has been identified and I'd say this this wall is probably 11th century so this is the wall that the Crusaders would have encountered um, and it's been it's been detected near well this is a very specific but it's near the railway line <laughs> there is a there's one place where it's kind of been detected I don't think it's it hasn't been looked at in a great great detail but there has been a small amount and there's also another location where we think there was a gate and there's some evidence but it's it's slightly ambiguous so that would be something that would be interesting to look at more but there's it's really sort of not ephemeral, but, not ephemeral, but the, 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 it's, there's not a lot of evidence for the wall, it's just very slight, we know the line, yes.
0: Thank you. And our final question
1: <laughs> yeah. for
0: this evening is from Rosalind Wade Haddon, who asks, yes. who says, thank you very much, first yes. of all, for a great survey. And she's asking, what textiles were produced in, in the city? <laughs> Do we know what textiles were produced?
1: Yeah. Uh, Yes, we do. Um, We do. I I can't, I I can't think, I I can't, I'm not a textile expert, but but I think there's two things. There's there's large quantities of different types of textiles, and the other thing I know is that we also are getting materials uh, shipped from Egypt to Ramla for processing. So we we also have we also have the thing that not the 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 entire production was was spread out over large distances. So that's kind of so I think Ramla was more as far as I understand it, Ramla was more specialized in in the colouring and the dyeing of textiles than the actual production. So textiles would come in from other places and be be dyed there. So yeah.
0: <laughs> Th- thank you thank you very much being I, I should, really-
1: yeah I should just say I'd recommend the Geniza documents they provide like copious information about yeah. uh, about the textiles yeah
0: and you've been very um fastidious in um in crediting for all the many people including one of, including Dr. Maha who's here today who contributed to the yes. this study and that it is a, a very much a, a team a team effort and i'd like to thank you very much for the overview and and uh, and congratulations on the publication <laughs> to you and the and the authors yeah. and to thank very much our 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 um commentators our discussants here dr richard mcclary and uh and Dr. Maha Abu Munsha for their contributions uh, this evening. And really to say thank you to all of you, the audience who have uh, have stayed with us and uh, your interest in CBRL webinars. Um, and this one particularly this evening, uh, we uh, we encourage you to check our website uh, for future webinars and to um, also, if you're not on our uh, on our mailing list already to sign up for that. Um, we're a membership organization, we encourage um, membership and, and en- engagement with us, reach out to us, um, and also we welcome suggestions for future lectures if you would like to, to, to make suggestions um, to us. the As uh, Andrew has said, the Mamluk um, Jerusalem was a was a major project of the British School of Archaeology in Jerusalem. In fact, a major surveys of the city, of which um, Ramla um, stemmed um, from it. Uh, I should also say, those of you who are perhaps keenly eyed will have seen that we that CBRL has a new logo. That we are. Ah. <laughs> that we are. That this is our first public event using our new logo. Um, we will tell you a bit more about it in our next newsletter on on, on the website. Um, so uh, it remains really to thank everybody very much for for staying with us tonight, for joining us, and um, and to wish you all a very pleasant evening until next time. Goodbye from Aman. Thank you.
1: Goodbye. Wassalam. Wassalam. <laughs>